This is The Guardian. Earlier this year, the world's richest man, Elon Musk, decided that he wanted to buy Twitter. Now to some news. Yeah, and apparently it has happened. Uh, we know that uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Elon Musk put in an offer of almost $44 billion to buy Twitter. And apparently, uh, we're hearing it is now a done deal. Then, once his offer was accepted and he had signed a legally binding contract, Musk changed his mind. Billionaire Elon Musk is once again threatening to end his deal to buy Twitter, saying the social media giant is withholding information about spam and fake accounts. Now, it looks like it might actually happen. In a surprise move, Musk went back and agreed to buy Twitter at his original price point of $44 billion. And this as a court battle with the social media company looms. But why is Musk even considering adding the social media firm to his portfolio? Compared to other platforms, Twitter is actually kind of small fry, and it comes with a host of its own problems. Twitter as a company, as a stock, has massively underperformed. That is not a secret. Activists have tried to change it, but it is such a huge undertaking fraught with conflict and politics and craziness. Those who could raise the money to buy it don't want the responsibility or the headache. So what does Musk see in Twitter? And what could he do with it if and when he becomes its owner? I'm Ian Sample, The Guardian's science editor, and this is Science Weekly. Dan Milmo, as The Guardian's global technology editor, you'll have been following this Elon Musk Twitter saga from its genesis. Take us back to where it all began last spring when Musk acquired a stake in Twitter. In early April, it was revealed that Elon Musk had accumulated a 9% stake in Twitter, taking a massive stake in a social media platform of uh, immense influence and one in which he has about 100 million followers himself. It excited a lot of interest. Very soon afterwards, it emerged that uh, Elon Musk had been offered a place on the Twitter board, had sort of accepted it and then turned it down. And this barreled very quickly uh, over a few weeks into Elon Musk offering to buy Twitter outright for $54.20 a share, which even then was pretty pricey, valuing the company at $44 billion. And a pretty definitive Loctite takeover agreement was signed between both parties in late April. At the time, was it clear why Musk wanted to buy Twitter? I mean, we know he's an avid user. He seems to love causing drama and controversy on the platform. But was there any logic in him purchasing Twitter? It definitely wasn't about finance or economics. Elon Musk made that clear as the world's richest man that um, he could afford to buy it. It wasn't about making money. He made it very clear that he was, when I quote, a free speech absolutist. He saw Twitter and sees Twitter as being extremely important to holding global conversations. And he's absolutely right. This is an influential platform. And he just wanted to make sure that it stayed that way, that it defended his view of free speech, that it stayed a sort of public square of debate and a gathering point. What I've said is that I think Twitter um, is currently the the best or looked at another way, the least bad uh, public square, um, it, a forum for the exchange of ideas uh, nationally and internationally. And 
and but it, I think it could be a lot better at that. Initially, Twitter weren't that keen on Musk, were they? But they eventually accepted this $44 billion offer, only for it to then sort of fall apart soon after. Musk is known for being pretty unpredictable. And despite signing that contract, he then tried to get out of the deal. What happened there? So Elon Musk declared in July that he no longer wanted to buy Twitter because he alleged it had a massive problem an undisclosed problem in terms of its scale with uh, spam or automated, vexatious automated accounts, which Twitter says um, is less than 5% of its uh, daily uh, user base. Elon Musk begged to differ. Um, the problem with spam bots is they're not monetizable, i.e. you can't sell them to um, advertisers. Well, you can't say to advertisers, look, here's a user who will take a great deal of interest in your product and perhaps interact with it or buy it. So Elon Musk declared he was walking away from the deal, which he'd signed. So Twitter announced, uh, we're going to sue you for doing that. And we'll see you in a court in the state of Delaware where we're incorporated. Thank you very much. Elon Musk turned around and said, well, I'm going to sue you too for not disclosing the bot issue properly and for indeed uh, misleading investors. Dan, tell me about these spam bots. I mean, what exactly are they? What are they doing on Twitter? Where do they come from? All that. Twitter doesn't deny that there's an awful lot of these automated accounts that aren't operated by human hand, which are designed to disrupt your conversation or even defraud you or to send offensive content your way. Twitter says the vast majority of them are related to cryptocurrency or pornography. It suspends a vast amount of them every day. One million spam accounts are suspended every day by Twitter, largely by automated processes, but also it samples thousands of accounts a month using um, human scrutiny as well, and also foreign language experts as well. So it has a, a sort of layered system, one that Elon Musk does not think is very good, and indeed one that is questioned by Peter Mudge Zatko, who was the former head of security at Twitter and was fired earlier this year and lodged a whistleblower complaint alleging various information security failings at the company. I should say that in response to these accusations from Zatko, Twitter's described them as a, a false narrative riddled with inconsistencies and inaccuracies. The former head of security at the social media company Twitter has accused the platform of hiding negligent practices, misleading federal regulators about its safety and failing to properly estimate the number of spam accounts in operation. Peter Zatko's whistleblowing testimony, which has been given to the US authorities, could have serious consequences. So we've had all this suing, counter-suing, all this fuss over spam bots and so on. But where are we now? Where is the takeover right now? So on the 17th of October, Twitter were due to be in court with Elon Musk representatives arguing that Elon Musk should be forced to buy the company as he said he would. Shortly before this was due to happen last week, Elon Musk turned around and said, actually, you know what, I'll buy the company. And a judge in Delaware has given Musk until the 28th of October to do just that. And really, it's to get the debt financing in place for what is a pretty big chunk of money, even for the world's richest man. And if he doesn't complete the takeover by then, he'll be back in court with Twitter trying to force him to do something that he now says he wants to do. Let's say this deal does actually go ahead. Is Twitter worth that amount of money, $44 billion? 
And if it's not, does Musk have any plans, like even if they're vague on how he's going to increase its value? Twitter at the moment is trading around the offer price of $54 a share. Not quite, but investors are a lot closer to valuing it in the same way that Elon Musk does now. In terms of the changes that Elon Musk is going to bring about, he'll do something about spam bots, I would imagine. I don't know what. Um, He's very clear on free speech. I think we have to look at the long list of people who are banned from Twitter. Donald Trump, top of it. People like Alex Jones, Katie Hopkins. And I would imagine that they will come up for review. Elon Musk has been very clear that he's pro-free speech within the boundaries of the law in the various countries in which Twitter operates, so it probably won't be quite as Wild West as it would sound. He's also referred to X, the everything app, as he calls it. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about the everything app, because on Twitter, Elon said that buying Twitter could be like an accelerant for creating X, the everything app. And from his previous comments, it sounds like he's maybe modelling that on China's WeChat app, which is this sort of everything app which allows you to talk to people, to play video games, pay bills, order rides, book restaurants, you name it. Is is that what's going on here, that he thinks that Twitter could be this kind of kernel to build a an everything app for the rest of us, or that it would fold into some sort of app like that? Yeah, so Elon Musk clearly has ambitions for Twitter that go beyond free speech, that go beyond sorting the spam accounts. I think he if we take him at his word, because he can be a bit mischievous, if we take him at his word, he's going to use Twitter as a building block for something. When he met Twitter staff in June for an all-hands meeting, Musk, he referred to WeChat as being a great, great app. And he said he basically live on WeChat in China. And now that he's subsequently referred to Twitter as being a potential basis for launching X, which he calls his everything app, you can I think it's safe to draw a conclusion that he sees Twitter as potentially being an outside-of-China version of WeChat. By the way, X is the name of the holding company that is going to buy Twitter. A bit of um, corporate arcania there. It feels like this whole situation is constantly changing. And saying what's going to happen is about as certain as playing roulette, right? I mean, red or black, though, what do you think is going to happen? How do you think the chips are going to fall. As I've said, the whole situation was vastly entertaining from a journalistic point of view. There was always a lot of exciting drama and twists and turns to write about. But sometimes you have to guiltily write, you know, way back in April the 25th, Elon Musk did sign a quite long and quite detailed document saying, I buy this company. And he's now turned around and said he'll buy Twitter in part because he's sort of acknowledging that he can't get out of this. So, I think he will end up buying Twitter. I think he will end up doing it by October the 28th, as he's been told to. I mean, who knows? He could still sort of try to backtrack again, and he'll just have his feet held to the fire. And there are numerous scenarios where this could really drag on, and they involve bank debt, potentially courts in New York. It gets very, very complicated, and I won't bore you with that yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if if something eccentric happens again. Dan, it's, uh, it sounds like we're going to have to get you on a bit later to take us through it again, probably some weeks or months down the line. But for now, um, huge thanks for taking us through it all. You're welcome. Thanks again to Dan Milmo. We've put a link to his reporting on the podcast webpage at theguardian.com. You'll also find a link to sign up to Techscape, a Guardian newsletter which dives into how technology shapes our lives, delivered straight into your inbox each week. 
And that's it for today. The producer was Madeline Finlay. The sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. And the executive producer was Max Sanderson. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. This is The Guardian.